You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. One of the things that really kind of struck me about that video was how we have kind of seen every promise that was talked about there in that video. We have seen that over and over and over uh, in these last 20 years here at Praise Community Church. And again, it's just hard for me to believe that we are at 20 years as a congregation. In some ways, it it seems like it's been much longer that. In other ways, it it feels like it's maybe just been a couple of years. But again, uh, June 29th, uh, back in 2003, was the very beginning of Praise Community Church. And uh, if you were there at that time, we were meeting at the YFC building. And at that time, I mean, if you would have told me then this is where we would be today, it would just be really hard uh, to believe that all the things that would need to come to pass to make this possible uh, would be. And and yet, uh, here we are. As I look back at these last 20 years, I've got to be honest, much of what I've experienced, both the good and the bad, the positive, the negatives, the wanted, the unwanted things, uh, it's it's been kind of beyond anything that I would have ever uh, thought or imagined. And so I want to just kind of unpack some of that this morning, again, as we celebrate uh, this milestone in the life and history of Praise Community Church. This morning, I just kind of want to start by recognizing uh, the very beginnings of Praise Community Church and I wanna just kind of uh, give to you the 16 families that really had the faith, the courage, the passion, the vision to say yes to God's calling and leading to start this church. And they are, and I just listed these in alphabetical order, um, hopefully they're in alphabetical order, uh, Dennis and Claudia Cooper, John and Nancy Thallis, Rick and Jeannie Haas, Pam Cluco and Mike McInerney, Carlisle and Avril Merritt, Eric and Brenda Merritt, Mark and Judy Mulkey, Chuck and Linda Myrie, Todd and Susan Rogness, Dave and Karen Rust, Dave and Brenda Sorensen, Jay and Kelly Stoyles, Steve and Christy Tass, Gary and Mary Beth Van Hemert, Dave and Teresa Van Zanti, and Kenneth and Lori Young. So I just give thanks uh, to God for these people using their gifts, uh, their willingness, and being obedient to God's calling and leading. Now, out of this list, we thankfully have two couples um, who have really kind of persevered and served uh, with us these last 20 years. Uh, and all of you know them, uh, Denny and Claudia Cooper and Steve and Christy Tass. And I kind of just as a, a, a way again of just acknowledging them, honoring them, I've asked them to kind of just come and share maybe uh, one or two highlights for them uh, of these last 20 years. So uh, whoever wants to uh, go first, Uh, is fine with me. We'll have him on uh, this microphone here, Brent. Well, um, Christy's a speaker here, I'm not, but um, I just wanted to share that um, we got involved with, um, first time I met Jeff was at uh, 
Promise Keepers in Minneapolis. And at that time, he was uh, at the Methodist Church, and um, we had uh, we were invited by Jeff Newell and his son Ben, and my my son Corey and I, and uh, we had just a, a great experience. And I, at that time, I thought Jeff was hilarious, you know, at that trip. I'm yeah, you still am. <laughs> but anyway, so I come back and I told Chris, I go, we really need to check out this Methodist Church. Uh, the pastor there is uh, is a uh, uh, a lot of fun, and and uh, so I thought we'd really like it. So, uh, so so that's the first step that I had with um, meeting Jeff, and and then then from that, from there on, we never become members. At that point, um, the transition of starting the church was uh, soon after we started attending the Methodists. So, uh, and it just kind of led from there, and then through the years of. Uh, the Truth Quest with our boys, and Jeff taught that class, and the sponsors, uh, Eric Merritt for uh, Joe and uh, Mark Mulkey for Corey, and and then the church ministry bus, so we end up painting the buses down at the shop. I reflect on some of the pictures downstairs that show that. I almost forgot about that part of it, but um, so uh, it just, and then, of course, the buying of the property, starting with the church uh, foundation, and then the 08 crisis happened. I mean, it just... The story just keeps on going on and on, but we're uh, we're blessed, and I've uh, grown so much spiritually through the years, and and now um, up to the point of being an elder for the church, and I'm I'm so very um, proud and uh, humbled by that uh, um, experience, and and um, so I guess uh, that's what I have to say. And Christy, there you go. Oh, <laughs> honey, I'm so proud of you. I really am. You've grown so much the past 20 years in this church. Uh, well, I wrote a book um, <laughs> because I couldn't sort my thoughts. Uh, for many years back in the 1990s, Steve and I had been searching for a church home. We left Temple Baptist Church when the boys were about six and four because the only kids who attended were our kids. Then we went to Grace Church, then Assembly of God, then Church of Christ, looking for our place to grow. Then... Ben and Jeff Newell took Steve and Corey to the Promise Keepers. Well, that was when Corey and Joe were about 14 and 12, about the age of Eric Barnes over there. I think you two were in Truth Quest together, weren't you, you and Corey? Thank you for being here today, Eric Barnes. Okay, so then as um, we started to attend the Methodist Church, enjoying Pastor Jeff's teaching and praying, and was praying about joining the church, but small talk was going around the church that the church hierarchy was going to move Pastor Jeff and Janie um, to another town. Well, as Methodists do, they move their pastors every three years. Um, but what we could see is that these three years, Jeff and Janie were growing a ministry and um, we're doing great here. So as God would have it, he connects all the dots. I heard there was a meeting about what to do to keep Pastor Jeff and Janie and four children in Mason City because um, Morgan and Kirsten weren't born yet. The first decision we made was to pass the hat to see how committed 16 people were, 16 couples were to start a church, and then ask Pastor Jeff and Janie to leave the Methodists and come with us. It seems like the Barnes were there too. No, okay. You were at the church though, at that church, okay. So, um, so the first decision was uh, let's pass the hat and see how committed these 16 couples were to start a church. Well. Uh, everyone put a little note in the hat, and when we counted the cash, 
the note, $26,000 was raised to, to start a church, this church. So then we met, we met weekly for months, and when we needed a secretary right off the bat, taking all the meeting notes, I raised my hand. But actually, after that, I realized I didn't raise my hand. The Holy Spirit rose my hand because that in turn turned into a lot of note taking because we were meeting once a week. And in the months of he ahead, we hired pastor, our pastor Jeff and family, named our church, assigned board members, a treasurer, and we are praying every step of the way. Carlisle and Avril Merritt hosted these meetings at their family place of business. They were like our mom and dad overseeing this process and praying us through. When Pastor Jeff made the big decision to leave the Methodist Church and put in his resignation, the church gave Jeff and Janie 24 hours to get out of the parish house. No problem, right? Four children and their possessions. But Chuck and Linda Myrie opened their home with loving arms. Because with God, all things are possible. Jeff and Janie have come alongside Steve and I to finish raising our sons and launch them into adulthood. At times, that was difficult. We saw our share of marital troubles, family crisis, the flood of 2008, and the spiritual growth of Steve and I continued. When times got tough for our church family, we hung in there, we worked through issues, and we planned to do so for many years to come. God has connected all the dots in my life over the years. I'm delighted that you're here today and part of the big picture that God is creating here at Praise Church. We will continue to grow together in God's word, life experiences, and we will help one another because our mission statement is changing lives through the unchanging word. And that was written by um, Van Hemer. What's his first name? Gary Van Hemer. <clears throat> Romans 8.28, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. Now, through all the last 20 years, um, there, there was one place that I ran to when our son got into some serious trouble. And um, I ran to the Pastor Jeff and Janie and to the Board of Elders. Now, when you can find a place like that to call home and to have them pray you through the most difficult situation that happened for our son, that's what I call a family. Thank you. Thank you. It is hard as you kind of think about 20 years. I mean, it's just where do you even begin and what memories do you share and what, what don't you? So I appreciate a great kind of, again, overview of, of how we got here. Coopers. Hello, good morning, church. We are just so um, humbled to be here. Thank you for listening. I look over all of you, and we have, we have made some wonderful friends. We have kept some old friends. Um, I'm reminded, when we were leaving the, our previous church, um, word got around we were leaving, and one gal came up to me and said, why are you leaving? I don't understand. And I remembered saying to her, we were called to leave. And she looked at me, and I can still see her face, and she kind of tilted her head a little bit, and she said, 
who called you? And I said, God called us. And I had had a dream about this church. Um, God has spoken to me a couple, two or three times with dreams. And um, we were to leave our previous church and come here. And you never look back. We've had rough times. We've had wonderful times. There's hurt. There's healing. Through it all, God has been faithful. And this church has been um, a resting place for us. Christy, you and, you and Steve kind of said it all. Um, but it has been. It has been a resting place. It has been a constant um, and it, it's just our home. It's God's, it was God's plan for us to be here. And you never look back. And we are just so blessed to have had um, these 20 years with you and Janie and, and the others that are, that are here. We're just so blessed. You want to say something? No? <laughs> okay. You said it all. Yeah, you did. You did. Through thick and thin. When we, when we started with that first group, the first meetings, wherever there was a need, there was somebody there to take lead. And that's the way, that's the way it's been. Thank you very much. It was, you're a church family. Thank you. Thanks, Jeff. All right, Denny, you start working on your 40th year. Or your, well, actually, 25th year one. So as I kind of just, you know, again, it's, you know, 20 years. Where do you begin? What do you talk about? I mean, how do you, how do you encapsulate you know, 20 years. And I'm, I just got to be honest with you, I'm not a really good one to commemorate things. I mean, I've seen churches, you know, like they'll have like their 75th, you know, anniversary. I remember being a part of a church one time. They had their, their 75th anniversary and they spent a whole year celebrating it. I mean, after the first month, I was exhausted. Um, so I just couldn't imagine doing that for a whole year. And so as I kind of began to kind of just think about, you know, what do I want to talk about this morning? The question kind of popped into my mind. Um, and the question was this, what were the very first 20 years of the very first church like? I'd never thought about that before. I'm thinking, okay, we're celebrating 20 years. I wonder what the first 20 years of the very first church, the New Testament church, were like. And again, during the first 20 years of the church, no New Testament books had been written. The Apostle Paul only began writing about 20 years after the church had begun there in Acts chapter one. And the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, had only begun to appear about 40 years after the ascension of Jesus. For the first 20 years of the church, the very first church, they had no New Testament. 
Now imagine what that would be like for us uh, in our 20 years if we didn't have the New Testament. So I kind of started kind of thinking about and kind of just going through the book of Acts. I'm gonna ask you to kind of hang with me because I wanna go through this in order to make a very, very important point. Something that's not only gonna point back to the last 20 years, but it's gonna to point toward the next 20 years as well. So if you were to do kind of just an overview of the book of Acts, there in chapter one, that's where you're gonna find the start of the very first church. And this is where it all began. Now, before you even get into Acts chapter one, it's important to remember that near the very end of Jesus's life and earthly ministry, especially on that night of his arrest and his betrayal, all of his disciples and most of his followers had deserted him with the exception of his mother and a few other women. Remember, Peter denied him three times. So from an outsider's perspective, if you're on the outside looking in on all of this, this Jesus movement really kind of looked like it was a complete failure from the start. Jesus dies a criminal's death and his followers fled. How's that for a new church start? So before you even get into Acts chapter one, the start of the church, you have the trial, the beating, the crucifixion, the people fleeing, and the death of Jesus Christ. Now in that, you also have the resurrection, you have the ascension, the appearance of Jesus to over 500 people, and so essentially before the church really even gets off the ground, you have this very mixed bag of kind of negatives and positives in getting into Acts chapter one, where it begins starting to record the very first church. Now trust me, this is not how anyone would choose to start a church. But these are the events, this is the foundation that led to the church. This was the foundation the very first church had to build on. So in Acts 1, verses 3 through 5, it says, During the 40 days after his crucifixion, Jesus appeared to the apostles from time to time, and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Once he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. John baptized with water, but in just a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You'll also find there in Acts 1 that the disciples replace uh, Judas uh, with uh, Matthias. That's Acts chapter one. Then in Acts chapter two, you find the promise Jesus gave them in Acts chapter one regarding the Holy Spirit, it comes to pass. The Holy Spirit uh, comes, uh, fills believers, and, and as that happens, you have this very mixed reaction from those who were there to witness this. Then Peter preaches his very first sermon in this very first church, and 3,000 people are added to the church uh, in that uh, day. And out of that, they form communities devoting themselves to the apostles' teachings, to fellowship, to sharing meals together, and to prayer. You also find where they kind of sold all of their possessions and property, and they gave to those uh, who had uh, needs. 
Acts chapter three opens with Peter healing a crippled beggar and the crowds are all amazed at what they see. Then Peter goes into the temple, he preaches, and again, up to this point, everything is kind of going really quite wonderful. And everyone is happy and they're amazed. God is good, the church is incredible. Things could not be going better. Then you hit Acts 4. In the midst of Peter and John preaching to the people, they're confronted by the Jewish priests and some of the Sadducees. And they become extremely upset that Peter and John were teaching the people that Jesus had risen from the dead. And they're arrested and they're thrown in jail. And eventually they're released and God uses this to bring greater unity among the church. There in Acts 5, you have the story of Ananias and Sapphira who lied to the apostles and to the Holy Spirit about the money that they gained from selling some property. And remember, it resulted in their sudden, I mean, they just dropped dead right there in front of uh, the, the elders. And, uh, and, and the scripture says it produced great fear uh, throughout the entire church. And then that event is followed up by the apostles healing many people. It says demons are being cast out and more and more people are being added to this very first church. And that caused jealousy among the Jewish high priest and Sadducees. So again, they had the apostles arrested and thrown in jail again. And eventually they're released, but not before they're flogged. And, and then they're put out and told, don't ever mention the name of Jesus again. Acts 6, you have the conflict that arises in the church between the Greek-speaking believers, the Hebrew-speaking believers, regarding the daily distribution of food among the widows. And out of that conflict, seven uh, godly men are appointed to oversee that. The problem is solved, and the number of believers greatly increases. Not too long after that, Stephen, one of the seven, is arrested. And Acts 7 is Stephen's lengthy defense before the council. And chapter 7 ends in Stephen's death and it unleashes this great wave of persecution against the first church in Jerusalem. And it says it scatters the believers uh, throughout the region of Judea and Samaria. Which then leads into Acts chapter eight and we find a man named Saul who's working hard to destroy the church. He's going from home to home finding men and women and casting them into prison because of their faith and their belief. And then we also see that, that in that scattering, Philip goes to preach in Samaria and he goes to Gaza and again, many people are become believers and they're baptized. And in the midst of that persecution, the church just be, continues to grow and to flourish. Then in Acts nine, you have the conversion of Saul who was earlier there, the one who was trying to destroy the church. And Saul who becomes Paul, then goes to Damascus and Jerusalem and he's trying to convince the church of his genuine conversion to Christ. Remember, they thought maybe Paul was, or Saul was faking this. And meanwhile, Peter raises someone from the dead. Acts 10, you have the conversion of the Roman officer Cornelius, his household after uh, Peter has taken him and Peter preaches the gospel. And this opens the door to the gospel being given to the Gentiles, which is no small thing given the hostility that was between the Jewish people and the Gentiles. 
And not only do Gentiles get saved, but they also get filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts 11, Peter returns to Jerusalem and has to defend and explain what he did there in Acts 10. How can you take what was given to the Jewish people and be giving that to the Gentiles? And meanwhile, the church in Antioch of, of Syria, many Gentiles also come to faith in Jesus Christ. Act 12 opens with King Herod Agrippa persecuting the church. And there he has the apostle James killed with the sword and he has Peter arrested again. Peter then miraculously, miraculously escapes from prison with the assistance of an angel. Acts 13, Peter reco uh, records the first of Paul and Barnabas' uh, missionary journey. And, and in that, many, many, people become believers. Acts 13 ends with the Jewish leaders inciting a mob against Paul and Barnabas, running them out of town. Acts 14 records their missionary trip to Iconium, where large numbers of both Jews and Greeks become believers. However, once again, the Jewish leaders become jealous and envious of what, um, what they're able to do there. And they're attacked and they're stoned. And then Paul and Barnabas then go on to Lystria and Derby, where a crippled man is healed. Once again, the Jewish leaders show up. They cause this riot among the people and Paul is taken out of the city and he is stoned and they believe he is dead. In Acts 15, while Paul and Barnabas are on their missionary journey, some men from Judea show up in Jerusalem and they begin to teach that unless you're circumcised, physical circum circumcision, you cannot be saved. And Paul and Barnabas strongly disagree with their teaching and it results in a meeting of the apostles and elders to settle this dispute, this disagreement before it brought any more division into the church. Now, let me stop there. I know some of you think, oh my gosh, is he gonna be going through uh, every book? <laughs> I've made my point. Here's my point. Believe it or not, the first 20 years of the very first church in the New Testament can be summed up by two main themes, explosive growth and continual conflict. Great moves of the Holy Spirit and constant persecution, challenges, and difficulties. Make no mistake, do not live under any illusion and do not think there is any such thing as a tranquil church. Don't ever buy into the notion that any church is free of conflict, persecution, disagreements, and disruptions. And I believe the book of Acts proves that beyond a shadow of a doubt. It's no accident that God uses the very first church and every church after it to dispel that myth. I'll tell you what, you can take any church, regardless of its size or its beliefs, and you can take that church in any period, any period of history, and you will find the same exact patterns. In that church, you will find seasons of growth, seasons of loss. You will find seasons of peace and seasons of conflict. You will find seasons of joy and seasons of frustration. Claudia alluded to that. We've had all of that in our first 20 years. And I know a lot of you probably don't wanna hear what I'm about to say next. 
but we will have all of that in the next 20 years as well. Every church, not just us, every church will have the same patterns throughout their history. Somehow, and I don't know why, and I don't fully understand this, but people seem to forget this and just kind of buy into this notion, and it's a false notion, they kind of buy into this illusion that if we as a church, if we would just follow Jesus better, if we would just be nicer Christians, be a better church, read our Bibles more, pray unceasingly, give extravagantly, witness boldly, love unconditionally, we would never experience any negative, difficult, or challenging things in the life of the church. Now, I'm all for that stuff. But it's the illusion of what it creates if we just do that. And if we just do that well enough, long enough, that basically what's gonna come out of that is we're just gonna have a peaceful church. There's just one problem with that. One, it's not realistic. Two, it's unbiblical. And it's never gonna happen. No matter how hard, how long we try for one very simple reason, because of people like you and people like me. Imperfect people create imperfect churches and imperfect churches experience imperfect conditions. And in the midst of those imperfect conditions, one thing to me is very clear, God is faithful. The very first church in Acts proves that and every church thereafter provides a similar testimony. And I mean, when you do an honest study of the first 20 years of the very first New Testament church there in the book of Acts, you will find an imperfect church filled with imperfect people that experienced attacks, murders, famine, and heresy. You're gonna find, as you do a study of those first 20 years, a church that is uh, embattled by internal conflict and division. And yet in the midst of all of that, they clung to the promise of Jesus in Matthew 16, 18. Jesus said, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. It'll try. It'll feel at times like it's winning. The powers of hell are not just going to give up one day and go away. But ultimately, in time, God will prevail and we will be victorious. It won't always be fun. It won't always be easy. But I guarantee you in the end, it will be more than worth it. You would think if there was ever a church that would have the ideal conditions, that would kind of have it easy peasy, where everything would just be smooth and harmonious and unified, it would have been that one there in the opening book of Acts. I mean, stop and think about this. They didn't even have to deal with the phrase, but we've always done it that way. 
because they were the very first church. And just in case you're tempted to think, okay, well, all right, the first 20 years were rough, but surely it got better after that. The next 20 years of the very first church there in the New Testament was no less chaotic, difficult, and challenging. You had the invasion of Israel by Rome and the downfall of Jerusalem, just to name a few. Are there better churches than ours? Sure. Are there better pastors than me? I hope so. <laughs> Have we been through difficult, trying times? You bet. Are we alone? Not at all. Have we had an awesome God-filled season these last 20 years? Absolutely. Will we have more of the same in the next 20 years? You can bet on it. And I'm just here to tell you this morning, it doesn't matter where you go, where you look, I don't care how new, fun, and shiny the church looks, it's only a matter of time before reality sets in and the illusion wears off and you realize the church of Jesus Christ will always, 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 always be a work in progress. It will always have seasons of blessings, seasons of grief, times of joy, times of sorrow, times of growth, stages of loss, times of peace, times of chaos, moments of laughter and moments of tears. And through it all, God is with us. He is for us. And he will never abandon us, no matter how difficult, trying, or challenging the season gets. And any church that thinks otherwise is in for a very rude awakening. And thankfully, those next 20 years will come one day at a time, just like they did the last 20 years. And hopefully, as we've grown wiser and more godly through the past years, we'll be better prepared for what lies ahead. So what was it that got those very first Christians, of that very first church, through those first 20 years as well as the next 20 years and onward? Acts 2, beginning in verse 42, I believe this was their secret sauce. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. And what comes out of that? It says a deep sense of awe came over them all. And the believers met together in one place and just shared everything they had. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. I believe elements of this continued throughout those first 20, 40, 60, 80 years of the early church. Not perfectly, not fully, not always, but faithfully. And I believe as they faithfully pursued those activities, regardless of whatever season they found themselves in, God moved in mighty ways.
And I believe the same is true both for us as a church in these next 20 years. Despite all we've been through these last 20 years, because I know that God is faithful and his word says he will perfect or he will complete that which he has begun. So in the coming weeks, I wanna kind of dig into parts of the book of Acts and I, I wanna see what can we learn from that very first church there in Acts? And how can we take those lessons that, that they learned and be able to apply them and, and to learn what they learned, to know what they knew, and to be able to use that as we propel into the next 20 years together? Amen? Amen. Let's stand together. Father, we again just thank you so much for your faithfulness. And Father, it is sobering and it is refreshing to be able to look at that very first church there in the book of Acts. And God, sometimes it is so tempting to want to romanticize all of that, to kind of look at that with rose-colored glasses or to pick out the good points and ignore the bad points. But God, in the book of Acts, you give us a complete picture of that very first church, those very first 20 years. And God, it's sobering what we see there. And many times, God, we forget the lessons that are found there in the book of Acts. And we become disillusioned. We become frustrated. We become overwhelmed when the things happen in this church that happened also there in the book of Acts. And yet, God, you, you put that there for our benefit. To know, God, that we're gonna have all kinds of seasons, all kinds of experiences, all kinds of challenges in this church. And we've, we've seen it all. We've seen a lot. And yet, God, through it all, you have been faithful. And God, we know that your faithfulness will continue into tomorrow and into the next 20 years. And Father, we thank you, Lord, again, that your word says, Lord, that you are faithful to complete that which you have started. And Father, we thank you for the work that you started here 20 years ago, and we thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you for the families, again, that, that had the vision and the passion to start this. I thank you for the families that have persevered and have remained here. And Father, I just pray a blessing over them. And Father, again, we just thank you for the leadership. We thank you for the membership. We thank you for people who are faithfully attending here at Praise Community Church. And Father, I do pray, Lord, that we would be like those believers there in, in the book of Acts, that, Lord, we would just be devoting ourselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to sharing in meals. Father, I thank you that each week we take that time again to celebrate and to remember communion. And God, call us to an e even deeper place of prayer. And Father, we know that out of that, we will see what they saw and there will come a deep sense of awe. So Father God, I just pray, Lord, that you again would just quicken our hearts 
that God, you would once again just reaffirm in us, Lord, that we will be faithful, that we will trust you, and we will look to you through every season, through every experience, regardless of what it is, God, we look to you and we trust you to lead us and to guide us. And for all of this, we thank you for this. In Jesus' name we pray. Thanks for listening. For more information about Praise Community Church, including gathering times and events, please visit us at praisecc.org.